And our prayer is the same up here, that we may have ears to hear God's word, that we may be given hands that are strengthened to serve, and that we have hearts that love, that hearts that love God and love neighbor. And for all of our uh, series points in the seven deadly sins that we're going through uh, this season, remember the one end game of this is to more faithfully love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love our neighbor as ourself. And the seven deadly sins are are a cumulative teaching, things that might stand in our way of doing that well. And it's not just willpower that makes us stop sinning or try harder to stop sinning, but it is by taking stock of our life and what is in our hearts and seeking to replace where the sin would naturally be with virtue instead. And so with the first week, we started with moving from sloth, and the opposite of sloth is not just to make ourselves busy, but to be diligent, to be thoughtful about the priorities we set, to love God and love neighbor. Last week in lust, we measured faithfulness as the measure of not just lusting after power and control, but trusting God's sovereignty, that it is God who is faithfully loving us, and it is God who is in power and in control. And today we come to anger. Now, the traditional wording is wrath, but wrath often can seem like something that isn't applicable to us. Wrath is just for those really angry people. And we'll get there, but we wanted to hold on to anger because anger is something that all of us experience. And before we turn our Bibles and read together Psalm 37, 8 through 11, I want you to complete a phrase for me as we think about moving from anger to our virtue of patience. Have you ever heard the phrase, and I'll just say it and you finish the last word, patience is a virtue. Patience is a virtue. The very phrase comes from the teaching on the seven deadly sins of moving from anger or wrath to patience. It doesn't work to tell an angry person to just be less angry. It doesn't but to build in patience and to seek this virtue of patience, this fruit of the Spirit. This is how we confront our anger and our wrath and seek instead God's will for our lives. And as we come to Psalm 37, 8 through 11, as we think about anger and patience, I just want to give a reminder that there is a lot in the Bible about anger. In fact, certainly too much to cover in one day. So a lot will go unsaid today. Let that be what it is. A lot will go unsaid, but let's focus on what we do have in front of us as we think about anger moving to patience. We're going to read together Psalm 37, 8 through 11, part of a prayer in God's prayer book of the Psalms. But before we do so, let's pray together. Lord, fill our hearts with patience. Patience to wait for you. An eagerness for your voice to speak into our hearts, into our lives. Give us patience as we wait for prayers to be answered. Give us patience as we wait for you. Fill us with patience as we seek to love our neighbor, even those who frustrate us most. By your Holy Spirit, fill us with patience with ourselves, 
with the one who preaches and with all the other circumstances of life outside of this place. Give us a patient attentiveness to your word this morning. In the name of Jesus, amen. Psalm Psalm 37, verses 8 through 11. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed. But those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Psalm 37 tells us to refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Jesus tells us that it's, it's not just enough to not murder someone, but that anyone who is angry has already committed murder in their hearts. Of course, that was also the same Jesus who, as the prophet had said, zeal for his house would overcome him. It was that same Jesus who said to not be angry with your neighbor, who also overturned tables, made a cord of whips, and chased people out of the temple. Anger is a complicated emotion because we want to complicate it for our advantage. There's plenty in Scripture about restraining anger. We've got one psalm prayer here mentioning turning from anger. If you read through the book of Proverbs, keep track of how anger shows up. And does it show up with the wise person or with the fool? Anger will show up with the fool more often than not. But we also can trick ourselves. We can trick ourselves with our own anger in one of two key ways. Sometimes with our anger, we can convince ourselves most readily that our anger is justified because we want to be right when we are angry. Even though we might know the verse, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, Sometimes we want to put a time on God's vengeance and say, God, I'll give you till Saturday before I take things into my own hands. We want to be right about being angry. But sometimes we can also take our anger and just push it down, push it away, and not do anything with it at all. Injustice should make us angry. When something is wrong, when you or your neighbor are mistreated, it should make us angry. And the option then is not to become passive. In fact, that would be slothful to say, nothing to be done about that. Vengeance is God's. I have no part in this. That would be to abandon the virtue of diligence and instead with some slothfulness, with some passive, with a passive mindset, say, well, it's not mine to fix even when things are wrong in the world. These are the two ways the pendulum can swing. We either get out of hand angry and convince ourselves we're right, or we'd rather not get too stirred up about things that might require action of us. To put this into a a story analogy, a a true story, uh, there was a high school girl who was the kind of volunteer to pick up different classmates of hers in a carpool. And every day she showed up on time to pick up her classmates. And every day she would wait five minutes, 
seven, nine, 12, 15 minutes, until by the time everyone was in the car, she was then late to school as the driver, even though she was on time. Anyone ever experienced anything like that that's a little bit frustrating? Other people's problems are having an impact on you? It can be frustrating. And this became a pattern. And it became a pattern that, that she expected to be late, I think, by the simple fact that no matter what, if she showed up on time or not, her friends would be late, therefore she would be late, day after day, week after week. Now, I ask you with this question of anger, with some curiosity, what do you think she did? but also with more of the application in mind of what we do with our anger between anger and wrath and patience, I ask you two questions. If that were you, what do you think you would do in the moment? And what do you think you should do? Because friends, I don't believe that we always do what we know that we should do. But it's easier when it's not you to say, well, I would do what I should do. But when it's us that's being made late, when it's us that's facing the impact, oh, how our temper can increase ever so quickly. What would you do if people were making you late day after day? And what should you do? Would you passively just keep picking them up with never a word or complaint? Would you maybe passive-aggressively stop picking them up altogether, knowing they probably don't know if you're on time anyway, so why not just leave them to their own devices? Would you snap and reach your breaking point where one day on the way to school, you just let them have it? Yell, scream, berate people for being like, you know what, enough is enough. I'm sick of you lazy people making me late. Do we blow up on people when we reach our breaking point when our fuse has burned to the end? What would you do might be easier to think of when it's not you, but what should you do? This is the point of discernment between anger and patience. What do you think she did day after day after day? Well, I can tell you that she did nothing and continued to be made late, and here's why. Because she was a good Christian person who knew that it wasn't right to be angry. And so that anger just got pushed down. And this was just God's opportunity for her to be patient with her classmates. That's more or less the gist of it. I might have to um, offer an editorial, um, an editorial update later. Friends, injustice will make us angry. People will make us angry even when they're being unjust. But there is a constructive and a non-constructive way to deal with this. And if you've ever experienced anger, which I think all of us have, you can feel it. And other people can see it. You can see it on your face. I'm, I'm kind of a fist clencher myself. The tension in your shoulders rises, and if a truly angry person is in front of you, I think you can see it in their eyes. Which is why Psalm 37 is such a fascinating prayer when it comes to anger. 
Because verse 8 says, refrain from anger. The most literal understanding of those words in Hebrew, refrain from anger, is to relax your face. Relax your face. That sounds like quite a bit of translation that we get from relax your face to refrain from anger. But think about how that goes. When you're mad, is there that point where you can just take a deep breath? Psalm 37, verse 8, is the ancient Near East version of take a chill pill. Take a minute and breathe. Relax your face. And that takes patience to do when you're angry. And then the other part of that verse, turn from wrath. Turn from wrath, also, once again, in the most literal sense of the words used, means to step back from a fire. Think about, is fire good or bad? Depends on what's happening. Is it an out-of-control fire in Australia, or is it a comforting, warm fire in your fireplace? Is it causing rage and destruction? Or is it fulfilling a diligent and healthy purpose, like cooking food? Fire and anger are very much synonyms for each other. They symbolically work interchangeably. To turn from wrath is to abandon this fire, meaning that we can feel that fire rising inside of us when we're angry, when we've been treated unjustly, when there's something wrong in the world. And the invitation of the psalm is not just to abandon the fire and hope for the best, but to let that fire, just for a minute of patience, let that die down for a second so that you can have a moment of patient clarity to think. Have one moment of patient clarity to think. And then to be honest about if you want to justify your anger or if you want to just push it down a little bit further. And friends, sometimes we do want to spiritualize anger because the use of Jesus clearing the temple is used all the time to justify anger. Forget about what James says about human anger does not achieve the righteousness of God. We want that example of Jesus to be our free ticket to be angry whenever we want, at whoever we want, in whatever which way we want. And what we forget when we try to spiritualize our anger is that often our outbursts of anger come because we are immature. You can pretend that it's this over-spiritual matter and that the devil is working really hard to get at you, but more often than not, it is because we are immature. I think the, de- I think the devil celebrates our immaturity. I think the devil chuckles at our immaturity when we do harm with our words and actions because of our anger. But friends, the root source often will be our own immaturity Don't bless your anger when it's not the same as the anger and zeal of Jesus. We don't want to replace it with sloth. But we also can't let anger let us fly off the handle. We know people, probably everyone here, can think of someone who's just chronically angry. And you might walk on eggshells around them because you're not sure what kind of mood they're going to be in. And in those moments, you know that one little thing goes wrong and they are enraged. And at different points of high stress in our lives, we are there. A little bit of milk gets spilled in the kitchen, someone's a little bit late, and we are ready to fly off the handle. One little thing goes wrong, and we are enraged. 
This is chronic anger. And at its root is a lack of patience. Patience will take a moment to ask, what role am I playing here? Is there something wrong that actually needs action and requirement and follow-up? Or do I just want to be angry at someone and let them have it? Patience is to take a step back. To take a step back and ask, what kind of situation is this really? Now, in a very practical way, in fact, the most practical way, I think, to sort out, this, this is the best application we can have as we think through these, these big emotions of anger and this really high-calling virtue of patience. When you are angry about whatever it is, say it out loud what you're angry about. And in the moment, maybe that's all you can do is to say out loud, why am I so angry? What is it that has you really going? But, but one step further, and this is why we need each other. When you are angry day after day, tell someone who you trust. Tell someone about your anger. Explain to them why you are so mad. Because this is where we find out which side of the pendulum we might have swung to. There are times where people explain to me why they're really angry, and they say, I know it doesn't sound like that big of a deal, but it's really frustrating. It's not that big of a deal. And people catch themselves in it. When you start to say out loud, when you explain to someone why you are so enraged, you realize you sound like a petty child. This is the moment where we catch our own immaturity. When you have to explain your anger and keep saying, I, I know it doesn't sound like a big deal, but it is, you are dancing closer and closer to the reality of your anger, that you want to be mad, and you want to bless your anger. But it's probably not the thing that made you angry that's really going on. We are angry when we feel humiliated, and chronically angry people were probably humiliated early on in life, and it has made them defensive. Because we are, for, we are wired for connection with other people, but if we've been traumatized or humiliated, our brain will rewire itself, not for connection, but for protection. And anger will keep people at arm's length. Tell someone why you're angry, and it might just de-escalate you a little bit. But the other can also be true. You might tell someone why you're angry or, or why you feel hurt, and you might keep saying, it's not that big of a deal. It's, it's not that big of a deal. It's, no, I'm just, being, I'm just being dumb. But you might actually be talking about something that really matters, that needs attention and follow-up, that, that, that someone does need to be called to account for something. We can dismiss angry people by saying, oh, it's not that bad. It's not the first time he's been angry. It's something that I did. When you explain anger to someone else, you might get called out for your inaction as well. Every situation is different. There's no one-size-fits-all for this, but there is always the need to speak to someone else. Pray about it. Ask God why you're so angry. And talk to a trusted friend and, and someone who knows you well enough to call you out. 
someone who knows, who's not just going to be on your side no matter what, not someone who will get riled up with you if you want to be mad or dismiss a situation with you if if you want to just leave it alone. This is why we need each other. Share your anger, but do so in a healthy way. In thinking of the difference between a raging prairie fire and a fire in a fireplace, seek the fireplace. But know that our anger can fuel us for passion. The long game here is that our temper tantrums and outbursts will not change the world for the better. And this is why the psalmist reigns us in by saying, For those who are evil, they will be destroyed. But those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. They have the longer vision and version of life in mind. A little while and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, says verse 10, they will not be found. Verse 11, but the meek will inherit the land. This is where Jesus took the beatitude of the meek will inherit the earth. The meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. Friends, our anger is a fuel to love God and love neighbor, but it must always be tempered with patience. And sometimes that is the patient endurance to push forward. Thinking of this past week, it was Martin Luther King Day. It was um, the 100-year anniversary of women's suffrage, the right to vote. Those things did not magically change all on their own. Civil rights would not have just appeared out of nowhere without any effort or passion behind it. But how do we pursue change in the right ways? makes all of the difference. And unfortunately, what's most angering in our world is that the changes we want might not happen quickly, or at least not as quickly as we would like. This is where patience is what will temper our temper. With patience, we discern if we need to take a step back or take a step forward. With patience, not with passivity, but with patience, we can determine if maybe we do need to speak up about the carpool to school and how this just isn't working and something needs to change. Because to say that we are not going to be angry people, friends, does not mean that we become doormats either. Because God's vision and our end game is loving God and loving neighbor. And therefore, what we seek is God's vision for us, which is one of human flourishing, which does mean calling out what is wrong, but not calling it out like an angry three-year-old on a temper tantrum. If you want to really test your patience this week, in addition to sharing why you're angry with someone who will call you out, and tell you maybe if you're on one side of the pendulum or the other, and if you start to explain it out loud, you might just catch yourself. But if you want one other step of testing your patience, apologize to someone who has wronged you. Because your apology is the right thing to do, even if you're only responsible for 2% of the problem and they have 98% of it. But to apologize and patiently endure it as Jesus patiently endured the cross for us. Patience will, test, will be tested when we apologize, especially if we apologize to a fool. Just read Proverbs if you want to be reinforced on that. 
It's not fun to be the bigger person. It's not fun to be patient. And it's not fun to do the right thing. But doing the right thing is still the right thing. We will be frustrated when we apologize. People might test our patience. And yet, is it worth it? Is it worth holding on to anger that will stir into wrath? One thing that we know is that anger is something that if it's pushed down and left there, it will be rather depressing. Not everyone with depression has repressed anger, but repressed anger, push, that anger that you just push down and don't do anything with, it will take its toll on you. Because we don't want to freak out but we can't take that courageous step of patience to figure out what am I supposed to do here. So friends, refrain from anger. Turn from wrath. Relax your face long enough to talk about your anger. Step back from that fire and don't keep feeding it until you know what that fire is for. It's trendy right now to be outraged. It's trendy to be angry. We have outrage culture the trend of being woke often means to be angry about the injustices of the world. However, often the only translation of effort and energy that that being woke turns into is posting on social media, which is the topic at Drift today. There has to be more than that, more than typing a few tech words onto a computer screen. Patience is a virtue. Because with patience, we can harness one of the greatest energies of the human soul and with God's help, determine what it will be used for. Being tempted is not a sin because Jesus was tempted and Jesus was without sin. But what you do in the moment of temptation makes all the difference. Being angry is not a sin. But it will become sin without the patience to ask, what are we angry about and what are we going to do about it? Relax your face. Let the fire get to a healthy level. And talk to someone that you trust. Because the anger we have will not always achieve the righteousness of God. But the passion that God gives us can change the world. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.